Welcome to the YYY Show, a comedy podcast about such histories, life, and the strangest strangers. I'm Tingan. And I'm Eliza. And in this podcast, we are going to talk about interesting things that we search for on the internet this week. But first, we need to make a small disclaimer. This is a comedy podcast and we do our best to research the things that we find. If there's anything that is factually inaccurate, please send us your corrections through our social media channels. You can find us at YYY Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Okay, do we have anything to say today? Yes. What? Please support us on Patreon. No, okay, okay. <laughs> please support us on Patreon. Okay, okay, let's break it down for our listeners. Yes. So... When we make these episodes, yes, it's free for us to go and like research and record it because it's at my place, man. All this is free. Mm-hmm. But when we host this episode, we have to pay a platform to host the episode on places like Spotify, Apple, or you know, all these places. Wait, you mean the production of this thing is free? Yeah. But it's not free because it takes up two days of our time. <laughs> I mean, yeah lah, yes. And then we have to travel to each other's house to record and edit the thing. Yeah, that's true. And eat food and be alive. Yes. But the basic, the base of the thing, yeah, that the, we are, the cost that we are incurring okay. every month. Yes. Yeah, like literally in dollars, that mm-hmm. is that we are paying a platform to host our thing. Mm. So we're hoping that maybe you guys can help cover some of these costs if you are enjoying this podcast. Yes, and also, 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 yes. we have our Patreon-only podcast. Yes. Which is called One, One More, More thing. thing. Yes, so it's like extended version of YY Show. Yes. Yes, you will not be disappointed. Full of fun facts. <laughs> okay, enough ready now, don't pitch ready. So, Jingan. Yes. What is your search term of the week? My search term is... Sholo it's quintly. Huh? Yeah. Sholo it's quintly. Sholo it's quintly means what? Is it a saying? You have to guess, you have to guess. Sholo it's quintly is a it's a saying of a medieval English when something happens. Okay. What kind of thing? A uh, surprising thing. Then you sholo, it's quickly like that. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, like an exclamation like that when no. something surprising happened. Sorry, that is incorrect. Is it even English? No. Okay. It's a different language. Oh, but it means something, is it? Yes. It's a name of something. It's a food. It's always a food. It's not a food. Uh, maybe it's a food sometime ago, but it's not a food now. Huh? So it was edible before? Yes. It's e. technically edible now, but e. we don't eat it. E. Not many people eat it, at e. least. Is it like the shark cheese? Fish cheese? <laughs> the fermented shark fish maybe, fish. That we covered it a long, long time ago. No, 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 no. Uh, no, no, no. What else? It's a thing that can be eaten. Okay, it's a thing. Since now we don't eat it, then we use it somehow. Uh, We burn it. We burn it? Yeah. Because you say you don't eat it, right? No, no, no. We don't, we don't burn it. We don't... <laughs> We used to eat it a long time ago, then why don't we eat it now? What are we doing with it now? We burn it lah. No, no, we're not burning it. <laughs> I don't even know what it is, you know. I just anyhow say. Okay, 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 okay. okay, okay. It is a hairless Mexican dog breed. A hairless Mexican dog breed? Yes, it is also called a solo dog. X-O... 
L O X O L O then who eat it? Oh my goodness, who eat it? Last time, very long time ago, they eat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, no wonder we don't eat it because it's a dog and we don't burn it as well. <laughs> Okay, not sure whether you've seen it before, but it's normally like dark brown or black. No. And it's hairless. No. Sometimes, right, it has a little tuft of white hair on, on its head. On its head. Yeah. Okay. It's a little bit like a Chinese crested. You I know? know, I know Chinese crested dog. It's the most ugly dog in the world. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But it's, it doesn't look ugly at all. It's very handsome. Very regal looking. Okay. And recent years, it has gotten quite popular, this breed. La, okay, I'll put up a picture of it on our social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's hairless, and it's a good dog breed for someone who's allergic to dog fur. Okay. Like, then what do they do with the tuft of hair on top of the head? They cut it off? La. No, it's, it's negligible. La. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought they still are cut off. Okay. <laughs> like, what is your impression of a hairless animal? Like the sphinx cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, what do you think of it? What do I think of it? Yeah. Uh? Nothing. Uh. It looks like Smeagol. Like, would you, would you pet it if you come across one? Have w- you come across one? I have seen pictures, uh-huh. but I have not actually seen a yeah, yeah, Sphinx yeah, yeah, cat yeah, yeah, yeah. in real life. But it, of course, if I see one, I will want to touch one because I want to know how it feels like. like how it what? feels like. It's, it's skin, lo. it's not hair. La. It's but does it feel like a human skin or does it feel like like an elephant skin. That's a good question. Have you touched an elephant before? Yes. Oh. It is... It, Rough. It, yeah, because the hair is quite thick and then it is oh. like one strand, one strand. I right? think their skin is thicker than ours. Animal yeah. skin in general. Uh-huh. Yeah. This particular dog, the shoulder dog, uh-huh. is very regal looking. Okay. It's like... When I looked at it, I was very, I was very surprised. Okay. Because it looks like a novice, you know, the Egyptian dog god. Yes. Yeah, it looks like that, but in a dog form. Okay. So, like, very majestic. Man. By the way, dog god is a anagram. Yeah, okay, dog anyway. god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, it turns out that this dog is an ancient dog breed with a very interesting history. Uh huh. So, it actually comes from two Aztec words. Okay. So Aztec, uh, uh-huh. from that era. No? Uh-huh. The words are... Jolotl, which is the god of lightning and death. Okay. And it's Quintly, which means dog. It's Quintly is a dog. Uh. Ah, it means dog. Oh, okay. So cute. Yeah. Okay. Oh, nice name. <laughs> Very long. Yeah. It's Quintly. So according to Aztec belief, right, this dog was created by their god to guard the living and guide the souls of dead into the underworld. Mm-hmm. So this kind of dog is very important uh, in their tribe last time. Because... Ah. Um, according to Mexican legend, la, when your first step, right, when you begin your your trip into the afterlife, mm-hmm. you are supposed to cross this river. Mm-hmm. And this thing is supposed to take about four years. La. And you can only do that with the help of a solo dog. Wow. So in your real life, right, your human life, right, mm. if you hurt or were cruel to dogs, right, mm-hmm. then you will not get help from the solo dogs. Oh, well, there's only a cross river, like the Chinese people believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but Chinese one, I think, take 49 days. Our river not so wide. <laughs> <laughs> the Mexican river, four years, they can cross. <laughs> Very long. Yeah. Okay, then. okay, so anyway, they did some research and traced, um, so how long ago did this dog exist? Uh-huh. Okay, so yes, the number. How, how many years? How long ago this dog exists? So that means, right, it exists this way 
uh-huh. from how long ago until now it's still the same dog. Uh-huh. You know, if you compare it. Since the Aztec people were alive, lo, mm, which, so, which means more than 10,000 years ago. No, no, no. They got 10,000 or not? Their civilization got 10,000 or not? I'm not very sure. 7,000, okay. Okay, it's not so long. Okay. Maybe it is, like, maybe it existed, but the the proof that they have is from 3,500 years ago. Okay, not so long. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because actually most of our dog breeds now, right, mm-hmm. are bred by human. Yes. So actually they are fairly recent. Yes. But this kind of dog is very primitive. Ah, okay. So actually they have uh, many characteristics la, that is that they call primitive okay. in the dog breeding world. Okay. Okay. So they are fiercely loyal okay. and very good guard dogs. And mm-hmm. because they are hairless, right, mm-hmm. they act as very good heat conductors. So the Aztecs will actually sleep with the Jolo dogs in the bed. Wow. Yeah, with the blankets to keep them warm. Wow. Yeah, and they acted as a kind of like an ancient hot water bottle for the ill and elderly. Oh my, that's awesome. Yeah, and the Jolo dogs, right, they will be very intelligent and they know that you're sick. Then they'll come in. So like, cuddle nice, you. they can cuddle you. Okay, yeah. wow. Best therapy dog. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Okay, then they were sometimes eaten, as we mentioned. Oh no, they're sometimes eaten, okay. Yeah, because like sometimes maybe they go for expedition. Yeah. Then they bring a pack of dogs. Yes. Then like bopian, right? Yes. Then they will eat them. And also if they get injured, then it doesn't make sense to... Mm. Burry is good meat, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. So they were actually a very fangpian animal. Because you know why? Because <laughs> not only eating, they can like uh, heal the elderly, the, the, the sick. The, yeah, and then they're very loyal guard dog. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is they were given as a gift. Okay. Because if like they travel around, right? Then yes. they go to somebody's house or what? Yes. Then the best thing to give this person is a guide your afterlife what? wow yeah 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 because yeah, yeah. they believe Symbolic, that this right? dog yeah. is the dog that will bring you mm. to your afterlife mm. yeah then housewarming party then you get a dog <laughs> <laughs> housewarming party then I give you a uh, dog yeah mm. then everybody come then everybody give you I dog. have a plan for your after you die okay yeah <laughs> then you will have a few right then you can give on to other people right yeah then bring your expedition <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, the show dogs of today, they actually retain many of the traits that they had 3,500 years ago. And they are super smart, super high energy, especially as puppies. Okay. They tend to mellow out about one to two years like that. They are highly social, and they will want to guard you. Meaning that as long as they feel that there's any danger, right, they will want to tell you. Okay. So for example, if the mailman comes to the door, then you will perceive it as a danger, then you will want to alert Oh you. my god, you said mailman. I thought you thought you meant a mailman, like a man man. No, no, no. M A L E. Delivery postman. <laughs> yeah, postman, okay. Jolo <laughs> dogs are also very strong. Like, they, are, they have very strong health. Because compared to other dog breeds, they were less modified yeah, by yeah. human efforts. Yes. Yeah. So we must note that, yes, it sounds like a great dog, right? It sounds uh-huh. like super good, uh-huh. right? But they require a lot of attention. Okay. So if you're not the kind that will stay at home with the dog or have a very, like, mm-hmm. uh, active lifestyle, mm-hmm. then you shouldn't get this dog. Okay. Yeah. So now if you work from home, it's still okay. But mm. then if next time you go back to office, right, then the dog will be very upset. Yes. Oh. And they will be upset and destroy your things. 
Oh, wow. Or escape or find ways to entertain themselves. Oh, okay. Yes. So okay. that's why it will become a problem. Okay. So you must know la, what uh, what having a dog means. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like, like you have found your dream dog. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Oh, you know there's also a coated breed. Okay. Of the Sholo dog. Okay. Because if you breed the hairless and hairless, you might get coated. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they have a short coat. Also very cute. Okay. And handsome. Okay. Yes, just saying. <laughs> okay, I know what dog you're going to get right next time when you're old. <laughs> okay, so Eliza, what is your search term of the week? My search term is... Bluefin tuna cook themselves. What? <laughs> That's my search term. <laughs> the bluefin tuna, they cook themselves. Yeah, what does it mean? <laughs> How do they cook themselves? <laughs> Cut themselves out and put in the frying pan and fry themselves. Um, I mean, it means that they are alive and they cook themselves. La. Correct. Yeah, what does it mean? La? That's what I'm guessing. La. Like, they are in the ocean, then, then they find a place where it's very hot. Then they then just, like, sunbathe. Then they kind of, like, cook themselves, cook themselves slightly. Then they have to go back inside water or what? Then they are seared. Then, <laughs> then who eat? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they burn a little bit of themselves so that the, the skin will, will flake off or something like that. <laughs> like they have to get rid of the dead skin or something. I don't know. Quite good guess lah. <laughs> I think. Sun facial. <laughs> but not, not correct. Sun facial for the tuna. That's called sun facial. Right? That's not their face or right? their body. Right? It's more like exfoliation. Right? Okay, sun exfoliation for the tuna. No, wrong. Don't guess already, don't guess already. I want to tell you what it is. Okay, tell me. <laughs> the Atlantic bluefin tuna is one of the largest, fastest, and most beautifully coloured fishes in the world. Okay. They are torpedo-shaped. Okay. And are built for speed and endurance. Mm. Their average length is 2 meters. Okay. And average weight is 250 kg. Okay. That's very big. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they are warm-blooded, which is not very common for fish. Mm. What other fish are warm-blooded? Some others. Okay. <laughs> which are not covered in this topic. <laughs> Alright. Bluefin tuners are also endothermic, which means that they are capable of producing their own heat. They are one of the strongest fish in the world, so strong that a sudden burst of muscle activity can cause them to cook within their own flesh. What on earth? <laughs> Some nature is metal materials. Yes, yes. What? <laughs> During the stress of capture, they can become so hot that they literally cook themselves from the inside. A phenomenon that buyers call burn. Okay. Yeah. So they struggle so hard leh, in their... Oh, like when the, yeah, yeah. the fisherman is catching it, they're yes. struggling so, so hard, hard. Then it's like burn inside. Yeah. They struggle so hard, right, that their muscles produce so much heat that they can cook themselves eh, from inside out. Eh. I wonder how that even works. Like, amazing, right? <laughs> <laughs> and if the tuna, right, overheats to the point of searing its insides, right? Yes. The value of the fish will drop considerably. Of course lah, it's already cooked before it's cooked. <laughs> <laughs> or not cooked. <laughs> so, the fishermen need to catch them very fast. Oh. Then take out their gills. Oh. Then bleed them out, let all the blood out. 
because oh, the blinds are warmer, right? Okay. Then they need to take out all the entrails and pack the fish in ice and store the fish in a special fish bag to protect it. So there's a certain way to fish this fish. Yeah. Okay. Then when the fisherman reaches the dock, right, a fish grader will assess the quality of the meat. Mm. Then if it's judged worthy and has to be shipped or flown somewhere, right, then they need to put it in a specially designed ice-filled coffin to ship it. Wow. Yeah, so much work, huh? Yes. That's for this blowfin tuna. Yeah, well, just don't catch it, can not? Yeah, precisely. <laughs> Which led me to the next question, right? Mm. Why is sashimi so expensive? Because it must be very fresh. Got three reasons, yeah. Okay, continue, then. So if it's very fresh, mm. then it means that there is a lot. It needs to be shipped fast. La. That means there is mm. the delivery fee involved as well. Mm. Then, I don't know. Okay, correct, next? correct, correct. <laughs> <laughs> so the fish used in sashimi, right? Yes. It's very difficult to catch. Mm. Very difficult to process. Mm. Especially if it is off-season, then got less of the fish. Mm. Then even harder to catch. Mm. Okay, then, yeah, right also. The fish also needs to be super fresh. So the supply chain, right, must be super solid. Mm. Like from the ocean, right, all the way to the kitchen table, right? It's very fast. Yeah, must be super fast. And every step must be ice and must be, there's a certain SOP and all that. Mm, yeah, okay, okay. okay. So need a lot of manpower already. Okay. Just in the delivery of this fish. Then when it reach the kitchen, right, mm. we still need a well-trained chef to prepare it well. Yeah, it must cut it properly. Ma. Correct. A good sashimi chef will know how to maximize the flavor and texture of the fish. Ah, yeah, that's, apparently there's a way to cut it that is like more more correct than the, another way. Yeah, and must like go for training one, cannot mm-hmm. anyhow one. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have two more fun facts about this fish. Okay. Okay, do you want to guess how much was the most expensive bluefin tuna ever sold? $10,000 USD. Wow, for like 200 something kg, right? Yeah, mm. like one big fish, right? Mm, one big fish. Yes. Higher. Higher. Uh. Yeah. 50,000 USD. 50,000 USD. Higher. <gasps> 200,000 USD. 200,000 dollars USD and the price is not right. <laughs> <laughs> then how much is it? The most expensive bluefin tuna was 278 kg and was sold to a Japanese sushi tycoon for 3.1 million US dollars. Uh... In 2019. Can buy house eh. 3.1 million. Can buy a big good US house. Dollar. Can buy ticket to space, if I'm not wrong, right? I think can buy many tickets to space. I think one ticket <laughs> to space now, I think 250k only. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Or half a million maybe. Okay. Not, not so expensive eh. Can buy six tickets eh. Okay, let's wait till the, the, the price come down. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and it was not the first time that he bought it. Uh, like, bought such an expensive fish. Uh, he held the previous record made in 2013. Okay, okay. But it was half this price. Wow. Yeah, so he, like, spent a lot eh, on this kind of fish. But I guess he has a market, because he's a sushi tycoon. That means oh. he has a lot of sushi restaurants. So, what, so the fish was bought and, I guess, served la, to the guests. Then what? Let it rot, man. Restaurants. <laughs> yeah. Then keep the carcass. I la. don't know. <laughs> Yeah lah, definitely lah. He'll be able to make much more money with it lah. Oh my god. Okay. okay, stop. Second fun fact. Yes. Why is the bluefin tuna called bluefin? Because it has a bluefin? Yeah, <laughs> because it has a bluefin. Because <laughs> they are metallic blue on top. Uh. And shimmery silver white 
on the bottom. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, why are they this color? Uh, because they, if it's blue, then it's the same color as the water. Mm-hmm. So from above, it's not going to be attacked. Mm-hmm. It's like camouflage, right? Mm-hmm. But then from below, it looks like it's the sun. La. So then the fish will swim up to it or something like that. Okay, somewhat there. <laughs> Correct. It helps camouflage them from above and below. Oh. Because from above, you look, it's blue. Then the sea is bluey, right? Then uh. you look, they can't really see it. Oh. Then from below, it's silvery, shiny, right? Uh. Then when you look up, it's shiny. It's right? the same. Uh, so similar color. Uh. Camouflage. Uh. The end. Okay, very good. Bluefin tuna, not just a food. <laughs> not just a food, then it's a what? It's a fish la! <laughs> fish are friends, not food. <laughs> not all, okay? Not all of the fish are your food. Noted. Yes. Do, 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 do. It is time for our special segment. Three things to Google for our friends. So, Eliza, who is the contributor for this week? Our contributor this week is Clinton from But Then How Podcast. Oh, nice. He sent us these search terms through Instagram. Okay, okay. Okay, the first one is Ducks Annihilate Bowl of Peas. <laughs> what is that? Is that a video that know. is going to be awesome? Yeah, I, I think it's a video. You're right, there is a video. Okay, let's watch it. Oh my god. <laughs> All dropped on the floor already. Huh? Like that only? Uh? Yeah, like that. It's 25 seconds and it ended. Just. By the way, the ducks are called Pepe and Arnold. <laughs> are you sure you want to use this search term? There's actually three real ones. Okay. So basically, we just saw two ducks attack a bowl of peas. Yeah. And it was gone quickly. Within 25 seconds. Yes. Well, they took about 5 seconds to walk. So within 20 seconds, they just meow, 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 meow. Yeah. Mm. And the comment said, this is peak YouTube content. Okay. I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, his real search terms. Okay, we have okay. three real search terms. Okay, first one is broken windows theory. Broken windows theory. I have no idea what it means. What do you think it is? Broken windows theory. That means the the software on your computer spoil. <laughs> the software on your computer spoil, then what happens? What's the theory? The windows spoil. Uh-huh, then? It's a conspiracy theory. Oh, like they purposely make it spoil or something. Yeah. Hey, wait, I think it's an economics thing. I heard it before. Oh, really? Yeah, on some podcast. podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. I think I think uh, Okay. Is that the street with a lot of broken windows mm. has more crime. Okay. That feels quite intuitive. I think it was on Hidden Brain or something that I, that I heard about this. Okay. I think, yeah, check, 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 check. What's the answer? Is it correct? Okay, so the theory is that any visible signs of crime and civil disorder, which is like broken windows, will create more crime and disorder. So it's like a loop. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, my memory is so good. I remember this. Because I thought that the crime create the broken window, but I did not expect the broken window to create more crime. Mm. So I was quite fascinated by yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't expect it to be like a cycle. Yes. In a sense. So it's important to restore your broken windows. Yes. Yeah. Is that why Singapore, every few decades, they will like knock down all the old buildings? 
Oh. And have new ones. To make it look less broken in a sense. Yeah, it's always new. It's always in order. Everything is always under control. Hmm. But I think there's a difference between old and broken. Oh, yes. Yeah. Wow. Old doesn't mean broken. <laughs> yes, it was on Hidden Brain. Look. It was on Hidden Brain? Oh, yes, yes. I remember this. I was so fascinated by it. Are we ready for next search term? Yes. <laughs> okay, the next search term is... Omuamua. <laughs> oh, Omuamua. How can you know? I know what, what it you is. Oh, it's O-U... I know what, it's M-U-A- a Hawaiian term. M-U-A. O-U-M-U-A-M-U-A, you know what? It's in Hawaiian. What does it mean? It is a science thing. What? Yeah, because there was an object, right? Mm-hmm. Scientists couldn't figure out what it was. And the trajectory of the object made it feel like a UFO. Wow. Yeah, because it kind of go into the orbit, then it, it swiftly turn away in an acute angle or something like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Then that's why a lot of scientists are puzzled. Why did it do that? Oh, wow. So that's why they suspect it is a UFO. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's the thing, the Oumuamua is that thing? Yeah, Oumuamua. Oh my goodness, wow, I'm going to Google it. I think it means vessel or something. In You know, if you if you never said what it was, when I look at these words, right, Oumuamua, the first thing I thought was, it is an omelette sort of food. <laughs> and then my second uh, thought is, it's a wrestler name. Okay. Like, uh, and now, in the left corner or in the blue corner, we have, oh, moi, moi. <laughs> Against who? I don't know lah. And then, and then my, my third thought was like, hmm, oh, moi, moi is like a way of saying, mamma mia. Mamma mia. You know? Like, oh, moi, moi. Oh. Yeah. Alas, I was wrong. Amazing guesses. Yeah. Okay, I'm googling it too. Oumuamua is the first known interstellar object detected passing through the solar system. Oh, because the way the Oumuamua was traveling, the motion was like it's tumbling. Mm-hmm. So it was quite weird la, in a sense. Mm. Then they were trying to measure its path and everything. Mm-hmm. Then while they discovered it, I think it was in 2017, there was a lot of like theories about what it could be mm-hmm. and where it came from. Mm-hmm. Then like they concluded in 2019 that it's most likely a natural object. Mm. Some people still think like, that it is maybe a product of alien technology, but there is little evidence to suggest that. Ooh. Yeah, There's also a theory in... March this year, this mm-hmm, year, mm-hmm. that the Oumuamua might be a piece of exoplanet that is similar to Pluto Ooh. from beyond our solar system. Ooh, then it's, come over then it here. somehow managed to propel itself here. Oh, so cool. Mm. Oh, you're right. I can see the trajectory. Like, shoom. Yeah, it's very weird. One. Mm. It was named Oumuamua mm-hmm. by the team that discovered it. It roughly translates from Hawaiian as a messenger from afar. Oh, so nice. Arriving first. What a deep name. The, yeah. the article that you're reading is called Strange Interstellar Object Could Be a Shard from a Dead Planet. Yes. Which is their recent hypothesis. Net Joe article, okay. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay, leave the science to the scientists. Next. <laughs> <laughs> the next search then. The next search term that we have from Clinton is Jason Derulo's real name 
Hey, Jason Derulo. Remember I told you about this man? Oh, yes. He always says, he always his, says name. his own name. Yeah. Jason the... Derulo. <laughs> yeah. He always he sings, sings his, own, his name. own name. Yeah, before he starts the song. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Remember <laughs> Which this Which I thought was very peculiar. Yeah, I don't even know how he looks like. I only know his name because he always sing it. <laughs> I mean, you know his songs lah, like... What songs did he sing ah? Like, trumpets. The only song I know of his is the... Mm, what you say... Mm, this is your only man where... There, 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 he always sing his name one. Let me find another one, another example. There, he Why he keeps singing his name? <laughs> Okay. okay, what's his name? What's his real name? Okay, Jason Derulo, the guy who sings his own name at the start of songs. Is his, is his real name Jason Derulo? He has songs such as um, What You Say, Savage Love, Trumpets, basically a lot of songs. So what is his real name? His real name Steve. is... Steve. <laughs> Jason Steve. Is it Jason Steve? I don't know. His real name is Jason Joel Derulo. <laughs> Oh yeah, it but really it's is French. Derulo, but it's yeah, it's spelled different. It's spelled in a French way. Is it French? It's spelled in the way that you would yeah. think that it's spelled. It's yes. spelled as D E S R O U L E A U X. So if you were to read it in English, it would be like Jason Desrouliex. People might not be able to pronounce it because they don't understand how yeah. it's meant to be pronounced. Yes. So he very intelligently just make it simple. Derulo. Instead of dash rulex. <laughs> dash rulex. So smart. What a smart man. His stage name, Dirulo, is a pronunciation respelling of his surname. Yes. Dirulo. What a AKA good way of putting it. Dash rulex. <laughs> Stop saying dash rulex. He is a son of Haitian parents. Oh, Haitian parents. Yes. French Haitian, right? Yeah, French Haitian. What a good fun fact. I liked it. Thank you. Yeah, because um, Haiti had a lot of French settlers. Interesting! Wow. Do, 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 do. Okay, so Jingan, yes. what is your search term? My search term is... Do insects have noses? <laughs> do insects have noses? Yeah. Like a nose nose? Ah. Yeah, oh. do they smell things? I think they have nose hole, but they don't have nose. <laughs> and I think they have antenna. Antenna and nose hole. Okay, okay. Any other guesses? They have antenna, nose hole, and... And it's not called a nose hole. Okay, okay. It's called olfactory hole. Olfactarious holes. Terious, sorry. And you have make up something. You were correct, actually. Huh, olfactory. Really? Olfactory sensilia, <gasps> which means sense organs. What? Whoa! I just made it up, man. I never studied bio in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, insects don't have noses per se like us, but uh-huh. they have different ways of sensing smells. In fact, sensing smells is a very important part of their life. Oh. Because they need it to communicate, to know what to do next, that kind of thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Basically, right, they detect chemicals in the air using their antenna 
or other sense organs. So an insect's sense of smell uh, enables it to find mates, mm-hmm. locate food, mm-hmm. avoid predators, mm-hmm. and gather in groups. Mm-hmm. They produce this thing called semiochemicals, okay. which is odor signals. Okay. O-D-O-U-R. Yeah. Mm. Smell signals mm-hmm. to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Then they send information like, through these chemicals mm-hmm. and then it goes into the insect's nervous system mm-hmm. and it dictates how they behave. Mm-hmm. And plants sometimes make use of this thing uh-huh. to send those chemicals to the insects so that they can dictate how the insect will move. Okay, so the plants can get pollinated and yes, whatnot, right? correct, okay. correct, correct. Mm-hmm. That's right. Most of the time, mm-hmm. an insect's olfactory sense organs, mm-hmm. olfactory, by the way, everybody, means sense of smell, mm-hmm. it is mostly found inside the insect's antenna, mm-hmm. And sometimes additional sensors are found at the mouth okay. or genitalia. Okay. So what happens is that the scent molecules, they mm-hmm. actually enter through a pore, which is transported to the nervous system and then to the insect's brain. Uh, so it's kind of, kind of like us. So we smell the nice smell, then we go to the kitchen. <laughs> is it? <laughs> then we just follow yes. the smell, then we go to the kitchen, then we put the food in our mouth. Yes, correct. Because I think that insects can smell because they know where the food is. Because mm. I feel like they will make a beeline for the food. Yes. So if they don't have a sense of smell, right, then how they know that the food is there and they won't go there? Yes. Like this is based on my observation. Yes. Mm. What is the definition of a nose, by the way? I think the definition of the nose is the way that we have it. Like a fleshy protrusion on your face. Yes. Is it? Something like that. So you're wondering whether insects have a fleshy protrusion on their like face. Like an organ for you to smell things. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But theirs is not. Theirs is like some sensor thing. Theirs is also an organ, but it's a different type Yeah, from it's not us. a fleshy protrusion. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. There's this um, experiment that mm-hmm. I came across that they used the sense of smell to test whether butterflies... Uh-huh. They retain memories from being a caterpillar. Okay. Because when caterpillar become butterfly, what yes. process do they go through? Cocooning. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, <laughs> sorry. I know, I know, yeah, I know, yeah. Metamorphosis. Yeah, metamorphosis. That's why the caterpillar can become a butterfly, yeah. right? Okay, so what they did was they exposed caterpillars to a foul odor, which was accompanied by a electric shock. Okay. Which is not very nice. But the caterpillars basically will associate the smell with the shock. Okay. So they will avoid this smell. Okay. After the caterpillar becomes a butterfly, mm-hmm. the butterfly still avoided the odor, okay. although they had not been shocked yet. Okay. So that's how they proved that even after the caterpillar become butterfly, they can remember their, their life m- as a caterpillar. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so the caterpillar, when they go inside the cocoon, right? Ah. Uh. And become a butterfly, right? Yes. It's still the same soul. Yes. Oh, my mother, come on. Because it retains the same, the same memories. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Ah. It became beautiful with wings. Aha. <laughs> wow. So it reassembled itself, but the brain and memories is still intact. Eh? Yes. Wow. Still know how to avoid the gross thing that happened. Amazing. Yes. So, do you observe, like, sometimes, because I was just curious about this when I was looking through this uh, search term, 
Do you observe sometimes when ends, right, they form a line, right? Uh-huh. Then like one end is in one direction, then the other end is in another direction. Yes, then yes. when you walk past each other, they will like meet for a while. Yeah, then, then they, they use they the antenna past. to scan each other. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what they're doing? Passing on smells and signals. Okay. Like what's up ahead, then what's happening in the nest, like communication. Wow, yes, yes, yes. You know why I know? How you know? Because I read Animorphs. There's <laughs> one book on ants. Oh. They are the animals they became ants. Oh. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Read animals, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you never study bio, you'll learn about animals. <laughs> okay, so yes, you're right. They are exchanging information and smelling each other to uh-huh. make sure that they belong inside the same colony. Oh, okay. Yeah, if different colony, then they'll fight. <gasps> they'll fight? Yeah. I've never seen that happen. They, they will reject ants that are not inside their colony one. Oh my. Yeah. I don't know whether I have the heart to like go and take one end and bring it to another colony and see what happens. You can watch it on YouTube. Some people do already it. do it. Okay, yeah. they don't do such an evil thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so apparently uh, in recent research, they can give food to each other Okay. through a process called trophylaxis. Okay. Which is the practice of sharing or transferring food mouth to mouth or anus to mouth. What? Okay. So that means like one end, right, say, okay, I'm very hungry now, can you pass me some food? Then I will regurgitate the food and put inside your mouth. If not, I poop it on you. Yes. Okay. (sighs) This is not gross to them at all. Okay. It is highly valuable in end circles. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to share this very fun fact. It's a social thing. It's a social thing for them. Because I was very curious. What are they doing? (laughs) They are socializing. (laughs) Indeed. Okay. Thank you for that fun fact. Okay, <laughs> okay, Eliza, what is your second search term of the week? My search term is... Arson bird. Arson bird? Arson bird. The bird commit arson. Ah. Ah. Huh? Ah. <laughs> arson bird. <laughs> Why this week your search terms is about burning? <laughs> Yeah, why is it all about burning? It's about animals also. Yeah, animals burning things themselves and others. <laughs> That's why I ask you whether your 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 thing can burn or not. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> hey, this week is all about animals, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally, we have moved on from the butt episode. <laughs> yes, enough of the butt and fat and poop arc. Now it's enough of the butt and fat and body parts. Wow. Uh. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Nice. Arson's bird, alright. You wanna guess? Okay, the bird sets fire to things. Who That's bird? What, it's called. what bird? Oh, uh. Is it real? It happened in real life or is it in a fantasy? It's real, it's real. Okay. Happened in real life. Okay. In the wildfire. Okay. Then the, the bird go and pick up the branch that's on fire, then go and set fire more. Okay. Cause it is a maniac. <laughs> Cause it is a maniac. <laughs> Actually, you are almost right, really. You no, know? then you must add that last line. Ah, uh, then you just throw the whole theory out. Oh, you know? oh no. <laughs> yes, wildfires are very common in Australia. Okay. And we know that the two most common causes of wildfires are uh, what? People. Yes. Are uh, humans and, and lightning. Oh. Yes, heat. But the Aboriginal people in Australia have long, long, long ago identified a third cause. Birds! Mm. Mm-hmm. 
So in interviews, observations, and ceremonies dating back more than a century, the indigenous people of Australia's Northern Territory have already been talking about this group of birds that they call the firehawks. Okay? Interesting. So they say that these firehawks uh-huh. can control fire uh-huh. by carrying burning sticks to new locations in their beaks or their talons. Okay, so they just grab the burning stick. Yeah, any burning stick and just carry it and then set fire to Do things. they know that the stick is burning? That's the question, right? <laughs> like, do they or do they not? Okay? okay, so last time it was theorized that maybe they grab wrongly. They want to grab a rat that they want to eat. Then they accidentally grab the burning stick. Oh, then but it keeps happening, it. so it's not so innocent. Uh-huh. <laughs> it kept happening. Okay. In an Aboriginal a biography, there was this account. Yes. I have seen a hawk pick up a smouldering stick in its claws and drop it in a fresh patch of dry grass half a mile away. Then wait with its mates. With its mates, because it's Australia. Mates. <laughs> with its mates for the mad exodus of scorched and frightened rodents and reptiles. Oh. When that area was burnt out, the process was repeated elsewhere. <gasps> dum, dum, dum. It's a hunting technique. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Oh my gosh, how come they are so smart? Yeah, wait with his mates, eh. <laughs> For all the mad exodus of scotch and frightened rodents and reptiles. So the lizard, all the little marsupials. And then it's like <laughs> slightly burnt, so it's quite nice. Mmm, tasty. Mm. <laughs> oh my god. So recently, right, a study was published in the Journal of Ethnobiology about this phenomenon. Mm. So apparently, these birds of prey, they use the fire to find food. They use the fire to drive out the insects and other small animals. And when these creatures were trying to flee the blaze, they will catch them and eat them. Mm. The fire hawks consist of three birds. The black kite, whistling kite, and the brown falcon. So oh. it's not one kind of bird that know how to do this. It's three kinds of birds that know how to do this. What is the bird, the legendary Pokemon that is the fire bird? Moltres. Moltres. Mm. No, it's not inside here. Because so it's sad. in the Pokemon world, not in the <laughs> our reality. <laughs> yes. I was just curious. Okay. <laughs> okay, so the co-author right, of the study right, say, we are not discovering anything. Mm. Most of the data that we have worked with is collaborative with Aboriginal people. Mm. They've already known this for like 40,000 years oh. or more. They already know that the birds are arsonists. Fire yeah. The birds are arsonists. arsonists. Yeah. They already established that already. Mm. Yeah. So the researchers, like why they published this, right, is because they want to expand the study out of Australia. Mm. Yeah. And they are following leads in Honduras and West Africa. Mm. And they also want to crowdsource their work. And they hope that people around the world will monitor birds' behaviour near fires mm. and reach out to them. So if mm. you see a bird carrying a flaming stick, mm. you must go and reach out to them and tell them, hey, I saw it in my country. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Mm. And the researchers are also theorising that it might be possible that ancient humans learned about the potential to spread fires from watching the birds. Oh. Then they copy the behavior. They observed. Yeah. And then after that, humans learn how to control fire and survive in colder climates. Oh, that's very interesting. Like, they can bring the fire, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. interesting. Dum, dum, dum. Maybe we didn't... Because fire is very important in the 
the evolution of humans. Mm. Like the modern human. Yeah. Mm. Wait till the birds take over the world. Yes. Bird is the... Still can fly eh. They fight you and uh, then you cannot fly. You're just Superior a running ape. bird race. Yeah, then we're just running apes on the ground. Then they just pepper us with fiery things. Then we are like, ah, don't burn us. <laughs> okay, we have reached the almost end of our podcast. Yes. And now it is time for... One thing to recommend. My recommendation for this week is... Something a bit weird, a bit random. It is Charlie Chaplin's speech from his movie, The Great Dictator. Charlie Chaplin can talk eh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course he can talk. Yes, he can talk. Yes, of course he can talk. It's just that his style is usually non-vocal. Yeah. Okay. Okay, anyway, this movie was released in 1940 and it was about Hitler lah, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a satire which explained to so many people worldwide because at that point of time Charlie Chaplin was very famous really mm-hmm. then he explained to everybody what are the horrors of Hitler's reign because at that time right 1940 mm-hmm. is the time where people haven't really decided whether Hitler is super bad or not yeah yeah so it's quite important that he worked on this film very early on mm. and wanted to make a point basically mm. so for a man that is known globally for being silent and funny. I thought this speech was very well crafted and mm. very serious and very relevant. And can preview? You can, yes. You can feel his raw emotion actually when he say the things. Like he really means it. Are you going to like... There is a part of it. <gasps> yes! She's going to demo it. Yes! Okay. Yeah, there's a part of it that I like that he says, We think too much and we feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Wow. Yes. It's quite long, la, but this is a bit of it that I like. So I thought understanding the context behind the movie and feeling his raw emotion that he was expressing makes this all the more commendable and interesting. Wow. Clap, clap, clap. I like that speech also. I've heard it before. Oh, you have? Mm. Nice. Ready also. Okay, my recommendation for this week is... Actually, I have something to recommend. Then I realised that we have to recommend a thing, our thing. (laughs) Oh, yes. We promised. (laughs) We forgot. Yeah, we promised to tell the listeners what we are working on, that we've been so busy that we have to take a break. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so my recommendation for this week is Indie Creative. Yes. Yeah, it's a thing that Jingan, myself, and Pew, we have been working on for a while. Yes, we have been very busy working on it for the past few months, I guess. <laughs> it's a series of workshops and forums for independent artists and musicians. Yeah, so basically we, our aim is to invite some guest speakers who are very professional. Yeah, slightly further along. Yes, and they know how to basically navigate their way in the arts and music landscape. So we hope to have their advice and hope to have people who are just starting out come and absorb their advice, lor. Mm. Like give their perspective on what it's like to be slightly further along mm. Mm. and share their insights, their challenges, what they feel. What is their strategy to do what, how to start out, that kind of thing. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, and it is supported by the National Arts Council. Yes! Yes, so happy to do this. 
<laughs> it's actually the program of our dreams. Yes. For our younger selves. Yeah, and uh, it's basically a place to meet mentors. And like, I feel that having a mentor in the early stages is actually very important. Mm, and also to meet like-minded individuals. Like people who are interested and excited about creating stuff. Yes. Okay, so we are going to have a forum. Two forums actually. This Sunday and another two forums the following Friday. So basically, they are going to give you an overview and a deep dive into the different paths you can have as a creative. Please yes. check them out. You can find more information about Indie Creative on our Instagram, Facebook, and Discord. Tickets are available on Eventbrite. Okay, we've reached the end of this week's podcast. Thank you, Liza, for making this podcast with me. And thank you, Jingan, for doing this podcast with me. If you have Googled anything interesting lately, you can drop us a DM or comment on any of our social media accounts and we will search it up on the show. You can also follow us on our Twitter, Instagram or on our Facebook page where we post images of some of the things that we talked about today. You can also help share our show with friends that might enjoy a comedy trivia podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon page and give us a small contribution to help us keep the show running. Do that! Do that! Do that! <laughs> <laughs> And now, we are off to record one more thing. A Patreon-only podcast called One One More Thing. So, see you there. Using their antenna. Uh Antenna, right? Antenna. (laughs) I don't know whether I'm saying it right. To me, it's antenna. (laughs) But it could be antenna.